It's the 100th episode of the Anecdotal Experience podcast. This podcast is a lot different than the rest, so if it's the first one you're listening to, understand that all the other episodes are better than this one. This is most decidedly the worst anecdotal experience thus far. What's up guys and girls? Dote heads, how are you? Something a little bit different today. This is me. It's Alec. Hi, how are you? I'm friends with you. Maybe. Soon. Um, we flipped the script a little bit today. And uh, get to know Joey Bertoff a little bit better. I'm interviewing the man behind the mic. I'm in control this time. And I don't go power mad. Don't worry about it. Uh, things get pretty real. Uh, we get to know Joey. He gets all lathered up in compliments. I put him on blast at the end. It's a long one, but if you hang in there, I promise it's worth it. Special for you loyal listeners. Uh, Share this podcast with people. Word of mouth is the best advertiser, but for you, listen to it. It's good. Okay, that's it. Bye. That's funny, dude. I love how seriously you took this. <laughs> Are you recording? Yeah, I've been recording. Yeah. Well, I took it. Did you think I was gonna take it seriously? Uh, yeah. No, yeah, no. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I think uh, when, when we scheduled this last week, the way you, you were just like, I don't know, we'll do it whenever, made me feel like you weren't that into it. Like you thought maybe I just. Is it a control thing? No, I was into it. It yeah. was just so far in the future. Like this won't be out for a while. So you're on. Ep- you got 97 episodes out. Do I? Yeah, I checked on SoundCloud today. So you got this week. 98. 98. Oh, really? Yeah. So you got basically two weeks until this one comes out. Okay. Yeah, but the only reason was because I didn't think right it was going to be out. Yeah, yeah. we're up on it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks. <laughs> Do you want to get into the? Do you want to get into the shit? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, this is the anecdotal experience podcast for everyone listening. You probably already know that we're flipping the script today uh, because I, uh, Alec Caro, am interviewing Joey Bertoft, uh, Cincinnati podcaster. The uh, some people call you the Mark Marin. Of Cincinnati, I think of you more as the Pete Holmes of Cincinnati, because uh, you're blonde and Christian and uh, a lot like a like a Labrador. Yeah, I guess. But Pete Holmes is a little much for me. Not to say that you're a little bit much for me, but I'm a I'm a little much for me. <laughs> I can't even make it through my own podcast without what? Without stopping it. And not listening to the rest of it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's interesting. Because uh, I actually have a quote from you right here. Yeah. Uh, I took a note in my phone on May 11th of 2016. Uh, I'm, quote, I'm one of my favorites, Joey Bertov. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. And I was kidding about the not <laughs> wanting to listen to myself. But as a comedian... um. I think I'm I'm one of my favorites. 
<laughs> I like what I do. As a comedian, but not as a person. No, I do. I like me. Yeah. I like, but yeah, and I, I mean, there are certain weird tics that I have when I talk that I think, oh, that's annoying. I wish I wasn't hearing that. But for the most part, I like what I have to say. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So first question, yeah. uh, who is Joey Bertoft and why should we care? Uh, I, I, that's, that's interesting. I don't think people should care about me or what I'm doing. I don't think I matter, really. I don't think what my, I mean, my, I don't know. You can, I mean, you'll get into like my own life experience, but I don't think people should necessarily care about me. There's some interesting stuff that I may have to offer people, like maybe a story or a lesson I've learned that could be enlightening. But for the most part, I'm not worth getting to know. But I think most people aren't worth getting to know. That's so interesting to me. Because that's sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I put that question in there up front as essentially a joke. But that's so much, uh, like, colors... I think you're going to be surprised by the rest of the interview if that's your sincerest feeling that like you're not worth knowing. Well, I do. I mean, like I said, I did say I I love myself and I think I'm great. But I think for the most part, I think most people think that they're great and they're the star of their own movie. Everyone has that kind of idea of I'm I know I'm not. It's this like I know I'm not important to everyone, but. I'm probably pretty important to everyone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's no way same, you're not. I have that same dichotomy a lot of times where it's like I can turn on a dime where one moment I'll feel like I'm confident and I'm important and I'm like king shit. And then all of a sudden something will happen and will be like, nobody gives a shit about me mm-hmm. and nobody should give a shit about me. So I understand that. Yeah. But it's a um, swing. It's a, the bigger your swing is from your self worth being being wrapped up in other people versus wrapped up in your own belief that you're valuable. Wanted to get that on there. I think it picked it up. Good. I like episodes where you can hear glasses clinking. Yeah. Like (laughs) ice cubes. Yep. Uh, Shuffling around inside glasses makes me feel like, oh, this is like two people hanging out and having a conversation. You ever heard a bowl being lit? (laughs) <laughs> no you does haven't? that happen yeah uh, twice yeah all right that's funny yeah it's never good though it's never when someone gets high they they're always worse i don't know i liked saki's episode but we're getting away from ourselves here um I'm, i wasn't speaking about saki no maybe people. i was so you're really gonna make me edit this great. no saki's great and his podcast was i good. think we know he's great yeah and but i think high. we also knew that he was fucking high for that whole thing yeah uh, and I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed that one a lot. That was a good one. All right. Uh, your mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, listen to the podcast. Your yeah, brother dad more than mom. Dad more than mom. Yeah. You talked about. Hey guys, how are you? Uh, your brother also listens as mm-hmm. well as does uh the artwork for the podcast. So all the headshots that come through. Your brother Johnny gets his fingers on him. Um, what about him? So my question is, what do your parents think of the show? And uh, does knowing that they listen affect the final product? Um, 
I think it used to a little more because my parents are pretty cons not like I don't know I hate that word conservative but they don't like there's certain things I used to not want them to know about me and I know my dad doesn't like it when I say uh, cuss words mm-hmm. I know he's not into that so that used to kind of affect it but now once like the floodgates kind of opened it was all fair and yeah i don't know now it's it's nice though because i can say however i feel about anything yeah and it's already on the table so it i don't know it was helpful just having a realer relationship with my parents because it's all out there and when i go home to visit it's not like i have to be a son what what's gotten realer specifically because Um, of the podcast really anything i can tell them whatever i want to tell them because they already know Mm -hmm. and they know if it's something and i mean they're honestly they're just kind of like way more laid back now Mm. um and they're done preaching i think because they see that it's out on the table and they see that you're your own man yeah and i think they're proud of me with what i've where i'm at now Mm. i think they feel good i think they think we did it Do you know what I mean? Like they raised a good son. Yeah, Yeah, he's done anything he fucks up from here on out isn't because of us, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, I absolutely understand that. But yeah, and then, I don't know, they used to, like my dad, he doesn't like it when I cuss, but i just too lazy to edit it out, and I I feel a little bad. Do you have any other examples of like specific pushback that you've gotten from them on things Um, you've said on the podcast? Yeah, I think there was an episode... uh, Kyle Jeffers, his second episode, we talked a lot about, uh, I don't know. I think my dad was kind of worried about Kyle, to be honest, I think. And he texted me and like, he was really emotional. Like he wanted to call me, mm-hmm. but he said he was too emotional to call me. And I think he was concerned mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, but yeah, and he genuinely worries about, he, 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 praise for caitlin mcphee really yes why because he knows people with that affliction um sorry what is the what is it with the cf cystic fibrosis yes uh and he so he does pray for and he knows it's like a long road and he thinks he was impressed by her but he yeah he also pray he like prays every day so it's cool it's it's really interesting that is cool. Yeah. Does Caitlin know that? I think I texted her. That's awesome. I'll text her though. I'll let her know. Uh, speaking of Kyle Jeffers, so mm-hmm. um, I did. I went through the uh, went through the effort of compiling uh, a couple questions from other people who have been on the podcast, uh, fans of the podcast as well. Nice. So I have here in my phone a list of questions from other people uh as well as grievances and compliments so do you have the name of the person yeah i have the name of each and every person that has submitted each of these items um here's what i'm gonna do to you okay because i know that most of the time you like to be in control of this podcast and it's a little weird for you sitting on the other side of the table i don't have to release this (laughs) i'm in complete control i worked so hard on it all right make it good so here's what i'm gonna do for you is um we might just pepper these in uh throughout or we might just do them in a block but if you 
at any point feel like you need a confidence booster, you just let me know and I'll read off a compliment. And if at any point you feel like you're riding too high on the hog, let me know and I'll give you a criticism. Okay. Or all we right. can just sort of save them all to for like a little grouping in the end. Uh, go with, what, what do you got from Kyle? All right. So Kyle Jeffers asks, um, who is Joey's crush besides me? Oh, man. Who is my crush? Um, uh, man, some people, I have crushes on a lot of the girls that have been on the podcast. Yeah. 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 Um, I do. I am. Yeah. I love them all. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I have a big crush on what what does that mean? Hey, dude. I mean, it means whatever you want it to mean. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've like um. I don't want to make yeah no. I don't want to make it too weird, but no. I have a lot of crushes on the girls on the podcast. Yeah, I think they're really cool. Some are married. Some are dating people. Um, and it sucks for me because mm-hmm. I love them. <laughs> yeah, and I uh they're they're spoken for so that's a bummer but uh yeah i have crushes on girls like i went to high school with uh like i'll look them up on facebook is this interesting i feel this like i'm is, just a normal I'm guy interest i mean it's interesting to hear that because i feel like i have crushes on people not just your podcast but any podcast i listen to where someone's interviewed i'll develop a crush on a girl or a woman yeah who's like uh interviewed like I was listening to Mark Marin and uh, developed a crush on uh, what's her name from Community. Doesn't oh, Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs, mm-hmm. and then also uh, from Archer and uh, Arrested Development, Judy Greer. Is that her name? I don't know. Listened to an interview with Judy Greer, and it was like, oh my god, this person's so cool. I I wish that. I were whatever, 15 years older and lived in LA so that I could marry her, but she's already married, you know, it's weird. It's weird, but I understand what you mean. You just feel a connection and an affection towards the people that you've had on the podcast. Yeah. Nothing, um, nothing serious. What? Oh shit. I did have something to say about this. I have a crush on my chiropractor. He's a really cool guy. Really? Yeah. He's like in his fifties, but he's just so, he's smart as a whip. And I feel like. Yeah, I would say that it's I. It's like have a, a crush daddy thing, him. not a daddy thing. It's like a, just like a cool, like a spirit guardian that sort of uh, wandered out of the wilderness to to tell me something amazing. You shouldn't pursue it. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? I don't. I'm just, just I'm just normalizing your experience of having crushes on people. Yeah. No, but I do. I. Uh... Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Man, I'll think of it later. But I had something. Then you started talking about your fucking chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this might be a good time then to drop in a question from Camille, okay. who's been on the podcast. And she said, why are you so cute and chill? What's your secret? Secret to being cute and chill, I think... You you got to be consciously thinking about how you're being um, perceived. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you can't. And one thing that's nice is you can. If you don't care how you're being perceived and you just think about how the other person is experiencing you, 
Hmm. It's a lot easier Hmm. than rather thinking about how you're being perceived. If you think, what can this other person get out of this interaction with me? Hmm. How can they leave this interaction feeling better? You know? Yeah. Then it kind of makes you cuter and chiller. You know? Yeah. Because you're not as sweaty. (laughs) I think you nailed it. That's how you do it. Right. All right. So relax and you won't get sweaty. Yep. And you'll be cute. Yeah. Don't think about yourself. Um, so we talked a, a second ago. <laughs> you said you hate the word conservative, but here's what I have written down is that you were raised in a conservative household. Sure. Uh, and you find yourself now being a member of a community that could be considered for the most part liberal right you're a part of this uh community of comics and from the outside you could say they're definitely a left-leaning group you know yeah so the question is uh how does your upbringing affect your outlook uh as an urban millennial and how does living amongst the snowflakes change how do you interact with your more conservative friends and family so are you speaking like politically or are you saying because there's difference there's like politically in terms of like liberals and like Democrats and MSNBC and Fox News or are you talking like morally wise because those are two different so I feel I feel this a lot where I was also raised in a conservative household and I also like exists in a community where as time goes on, young people are becoming more left leaning for the most part. And the people that I yeah, but what do you mean by left? more empathetic people as opposed to here's what I thought of yesterday is when I think of liberal and conservative, I think conservatives are people who acknowledge that the world is a difficult place and they think that it is the responsibility of the individual to harden themselves to deal with that difficult environment. And liberals are more people who want the world to soften to accommodate everybody else. Yeah, I actually think I've heard you explain this before. And honestly, I, I see it way more as a uh, identity issue more than any sort of conviction or belief and what that's from what I've noticed Mm. Um, in terms of like politically and I think that's that's my and I don't I just don't think in that sense like I honestly just don't think it matters what you identify as whether it's left-leaning or right-winging right-winging or wing-leaning or right-winging two Miller lights um libtarding libtarding or conserve tarting. It doesn't, it's just, it's, it's what you want to be perceived as. Because mm-hmm. there are people. What do you want to be perceived as? I don't want to be perceived as anything. What do you think that people perceive you as? I don't, probably, probably they think I'm like a conservative dude. And then some people probably think I'm a liberal dude. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have my own personal convictions. But to be honest with you, a lot of stuff I don't care about. Mm-hmm. A lot of like, <laughs> where do you stand on this issue? It's like, don't, I don't care. Like, it doesn't affect me. I could tell you, I could form an opinion, 
but it doesn't affect me and I have no emotional connection to this. So I'm down to talk about it and learn about your, the way you see it. And if you yeah. have an emotional conviction and you're like, this is, I believe in whatever immigration or something like that. Cool. Maybe like, let's educate me. But right. honestly, it's not an issue that I'm like passionate about. And I could feign being, mm-hmm. you know, really emotional about it, but it wouldn't be true. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. It's, I'm whatever you think I am based on what I say. There is a, it's a quote in the Bible and I don't know what book it is from. So forgive me, but I think it is. If you blow neither hot nor cold, I shall spew you out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Better to be hot or cold than lukewarm. Yeah. And Jesus is talking about, that yeah that's a he's talking about those whether you're it's passion whether you're passionate about one th- about following Christ or you're you know you've been burned by Christ and you're mm. passionate against him mm-hmm. and his cause um or you just don't give a shit sure so yeah it's the unemotion it's like the lack thereof mm-hmm. of conviction yeah I don't have to be convicted about everything. Right. No, I agree. I believe in balance and I believe in moderation, but I also think that I know that my family considers me to be liberal and I know that a lot of my liberal friends see me as a conservative. And yeah. I think it's a little bit of like a sports thing where it's like, if you're not on my team, you must be on the other team. Oh, it is absolutely a sports thing. Mm-hmm. Don't. Yeah. That's what drives me nuts. It's yeah, like you either like, yeah, you like, you like the Patriots you like being a Republican. You, it's all the same, man. Yeah, I feel it. It's a competition. Um, so in reference to that, I have a compliment from Brent Bowser. Cool, it's about time. Oh, for, Brent. Formerly known as Vincent Holiday. Uh, Joey's one of the few people I respect because he finds a way to do what he wants, supports himself, and doesn't get bogged down by other people's opinions. There are dreamers, and Joey's a doer. Ah, uh, but he clarifies, uh-oh. I would swipe left. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's really sweet of him. That's one of those things that him saying that is uh, really nice because I get it. I get what he's saying, and we've, yeah, I don't know. When did you when did you ask him about this? How long ago? Two days ago. Okay, yeah, because he just did the podcast. We kind of like, oh yeah, we were hanging out talking about it. But yeah, it's that idea. Um, yeah, dreaming's fun though. You can't. People like to dream, and some people, some people are dreamers, you know. And it's fun to dream, but doing is so scary. Doing is intimidating because most of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, when you do, you fail. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent of the time. I think a lot of people admire you for doing too. I mean, the the reason I pulled that one is because um, when he says that you don't get bogged down by other people's opinions, I think that's pretty much what we were just talking. Well, about. Well, everyone likes me. Like a- <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody everyone would likes have you any and no reason. one should care about you. Yeah, no one would have any reason to not like me. I'm just a guy. I'm nice. I'm friendly. I've never. I've talked some shit about people, but I've always apologized. I'm, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm... People exist in this world that don't like you, Joey. I don't... I mean, it's just because they don't know me. I'm... That's... That's it. I think that that's true. 
Oh, I wanted to say something though. I yeah. think I have. Okay, I think. Well, see if you like this. I think. All right, ninety nine percent of the time when you do, you fail. One hundred percent of the time you dream, you succeed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds like horseshit to me. Um, You're not thinking about it. I thought about it for a second. All right. We're both, uh, (laughs) both of us are prodigal sons, which is, Mm. if you don't know what a prodigal son is, pick up the Bible. Yeah. Read the story of the prodigal son. I thought you were talking to me. I didn't know you were talking to me. You and I, you and I are both, um, people who have, uh, were raised religiously, essentially, and, uh, have chosen to take what we were taught out into the world, which I don't know. For me, I think the people that I was raised around see it as me wandering out into a world of sin without really having like a, a tether anymore. Okay. You know? Yes. Uh, but we haven't followed exactly the path that our parents laid out for us, um, even if our parents are still proud of us. Yeah. So the question is. For me, this has been both liberating and enlightening, but also challenging and lonely. How is it for you? Yeah, that's actually, I really agree with that. Um, But you do, there is a lot of, you need, I think you need to, I'm a curious person. I know a lot of people, you know, sure, I'm I'm sure we, most of us are, but yeah, I need to feel what's real to me i need to figure out that and you're right and i have noticed things while i've wandered into the darkness but i do believe i still have that tether um connected to me Mm. and one thing i will say that i do believe is true is there's a lot of i've seen a lot of darkness in that sense from going into it Mm. you know because a lot of times people will say, oh, I went, I blazed into the darkness and turned out there was a lot of light in that darkness. Yeah. But no, I've, I, I've been places where I'm like, oh, this is it. This is what they were talking about. This is the darkness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it is. It's lonely at times uh, and sometimes you feel abandoned. Um, but I think for the most part, it's liberating to just be who you are and really just try things and experience things. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta trust yourself, but it's easy to stay. It's easy to stay in the light, you know? Yeah. But it's, I'd say, I don't know. uh, I'd say I'm glad to know the darkness, to know that it's there and to have some idea of what it looks like. Right. And also I think that I've learned that some things that I would have thought were darkness are actually not. And some of the things that people thought were the darkest are actually the lightest. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's exciting to me to explore and understand. Yeah. Just like what human experience has for other people. Yeah, that's that's true. And that it'll, I think a lot of things I've noticed like, oh, this wasn't as dark as I thought it would be. But I'm also speaking to the fact that some things you're like, oh, no, this is bad. This is rough. This is painful. This is this is exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. You're right. And in a lot of cases, it's like, OK, well, this can be. And it's a lot of perspective. Yeah. It's like how you're interpreting it. Yeah. And I love this narrative for you too, because this I think is like, to me, the true narrative of the podcast. Like it's, it's, 
you interviewing people. Oh, over it's and all over about again, me, baby. Just like, but it, it, but yeah. if you listen, you don't even have to listen that hard. You yeah. talk a lot, but it is it is about you. And what I like is the dichotomy, like the difference, the juxtaposition between the episodes where you are interviewing friends that you've met in the past couple of years versus interviewing people that you grew up with who uh, you were raised with in the same religious community and who are still religious. And it's like this interesting origin story to go back and listen to friends of yours, most of whom are married. Yeah. Uh, and then get the other side of the story over here and have comedians talk about, like, I don't know, doing drugs yeah. and shitting themselves. and Yeah. I mean, most of, like, my friends from earlier in my life, are, their stories are pretty innocuous, but I still like them because they're still good. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be as, you know nefarious right to be good and interesting and be relevant right you know but what i'm saying is if you pay attention to 100 episodes of the anecdotal experience as a whole yeah as a collage okay what that collage says to me is here's this dude who grew up one way and uh still has friends and family who care about him in the way that he was brought up, but now he's just sort of, he's doing his own thing and he's making his own friends and he's making his own mark on the world. And it's interesting to see you like calling back to and still touching base with those old friends who you know are interesting and who you like. And then seeing you like slowly growing as a person over the course of the past year. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I get that. It is funny, but I am the same person to everyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, if you listen to me interact with these people, it's not. That's huge. Yeah, it's, it's the hard. Same. It's hard because I can't speak to that because I only know you when you're around me for the most part. But that's, most people are a different person around every different person. Mm-hmm. And you're a person who wears... If you wear any masks, they are few and they are modest, you know? Yeah, sometimes I, yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what this kind of brings us back around to was the thing I meant to mention earlier. Sure. Is I'm a little different when there's a girl on the podcast. Yeah? Yeah. And I mean, it's not voluntarily, but I'm more anxious. Really? Yeah, definitely. When there's like a girl in my apartment and because it's always... There are so many weird things happening because you're like, okay, you're a lady. You're in my apartment. Maybe you don't know me very well. And you're kind of like being courageous coming to a stranger's apartment. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's tense. And I'm always then I'm always a little different. But once the what's interesting is once the mics come on, I'm at ease. Do you know what I mean? I I would go past that and say that once the mics are on, you are willing to be more vulnerable with a female guest than you are with a male guest. Like listening to uh, Kamel's episode, to Anna Maz's episode, to Faith's episode, it's interesting to see you just sort of relax in a way that you don't relax with other guys necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, and that, but is, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is, but when they do come over at first, that's, maybe that's it. Maybe it's 
when they come over at first, it's a little bit tense before the microphone's on because mm-hmm. it's a little weird. Yeah. But once the microphone's on, it's a lot more at ease because it feels like we're doing something creative or professional. Yeah. But for a guy, it's like, oh, it's just like a dude coming over to hang. But once the mics come on and we're doing it, it almost feels a little more vulnerable because I'm asking them to be a little more, which is not very bro-y. It's not very broing out. Mm-hmm. So the dynamic changes from like, yo, let's just chill to like, let's talk about our parents' divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe that's it. But no, it is, you know, but I don't try to be anything. I'm. No. You know. You don't have to try. I mean, no. it's sort of. It's well, okay. I, to, it's okay to be different around different people. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're making it happen. It's just like a natural response sometimes, right? You know, I'm not putting on airs. What do you? What do you want? What do you want to hear from other from other people right now? You want a question? You want to comment? Whatever, um, man. I don't care. No, give me. This pick is one. great. I'm okay, like so really glad so, you did this. Though. Got, this is cool. I got purple, red, and blue. Uh, well, give me a purple. I don't know what it is. A purple but. is a question. Cool. You want a question from yeah. someone? Yeah. All right, this is really see. awesome, man. I'm like really enjoying this. Uh, Greg Waite says, uh, after modeling uh, your life... Skip it. <laughs> okay? Don't skip it. I want to hear it. After modeling your life uh, after Pete Holmes, how do you feel about how much crashing sucks? Crashing, if you're not aware, is uh, Pete Holmes's new HBO series uh, that just I, dropped recently. Interesting. I'll keep this brief because this could be very esoteric to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it's disappointing, but also Pete has become disappointing to me, uh, later in his life and his podcasts. And I think he's, uh, watered down and I agree. It's not as good as I thought it would be, but where do you think the water is coming from? Um, understanding lack of curiosity. I Mm. think that's what it is. I think it's this real, uh, familiarity and like being comfortable in what he's doing. He's grown up. Sure. The edge is gone. Sure, yeah. He's like, it's, yeah, that's what, I like weird, I just, I like it weird. I liked it when it was, you made it weird, and it was uncomfortable. Pete was making jokes all the time, just laughing, and just nobody else was laughing at his jokes. It was just raw, and I feel like they made some serious headway. Now it's just kind of like, we have the answers. It's this new agey bullshit of, like, how you feel, and let's all have a threesome and do (laughs) mushrooms, and I'm like, I just to me maybe it's just my personal experience but I'm like I don't think mushrooms and threesomes are you got to give me this threesome episode that sounds He's awesome. always talking about like polyamory and stuff and I'm like All right. I don't I don't I don't buy it but anyway Well do me a favor when you get to that point just stop making fucking podcasts all right <laughs> All right I'll kill myself Uh <laughs> If I ever tell you Since about a threesome doing... I have Yeah murder you Yeah please All right We'll talk that out off air. Yeah. Uh, since we're doing Greg Waite, let's just bang through what Greg Waite has okay. to say. Grievance. Your jaw okay. line is too well-defined for you to still be a virgin. Yeah. Stop being a virgin, you idiot. Yeah. Um, that's fair. <laughs> They're better looking virgins than me. Nice thing. Yeah. Compliment. From you Greg. love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And host a good show that I listen to sometimes. And you're funny for a virgin. Cool. Uh, additional question. Are you still a virgin? I am. Okay. So there you, you have your answer, Greg. Wait, thank you very mm-hmm. much for submitting. I'm going to do another one. 
Yeah, sure. All right, man. How about this? You can do another one. We'll go through another person, or uh, you can tell a story about something. Oh, okay. Ooh, that'd be fun. All right. Do you have a story you kind of heard and want me to talk about? Cool, yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, We were out one time, you told me about... Oh, no. I'd been drinking, and I... You told me <laughs> Oh God! Oh no! But we—you told the story about um, you and your brother being uh, coming across a beehive and accidentally agitating a beehive and being attacked by the bees. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, what's me, up with give that? Me, get, here's what I'm going to say. Okay, give me some backstory. Where the groundwork? All right. I was very young, and it's funny you bring this up because the only thing I remember about the story is I remember being in the woods and leaves, they were hornets, they have nests underground, and there were leaves coming from the ground. And I remember my father and my mother, my father in his underwear, uh, he wore he wears Hanes whitey tidies and a white v-neck. That is his bedroom attire. Him being out in his underwear, shaking, them both shaking my brother like a hammock. All right, I didn't know what was going on. But I was stung by 200 bees on my legs alone. Um, yeah, we just backstory is we weren't supposed to go in the woods. This is, I mean, there's really I have this. Why, that is why weren't Why weren't you supposed to? Because there were hornets, and we knew there were hornets. But we were, you know, whatever. Let's do it anyway. Why? What were you doing back there? You know, dude. All I really remember, all I remember, was the leaves yeah. and my brother wearing a Snoopy sweatshirt. That's all I remember. But yeah, my parents came out shaking my brother. They were shaking my brother, and they were kind of leaving me alone. That's a something to think about. Where did your brother get stung? Mostly, it was mostly our legs. He had about 150 on his legs. I had about 200 on my legs. I wonder what percentage of the bees the shaking got off. Maybe if they hadn't shook Johnny, he would have had 300 stings. So yes. maybe they were just trying to triage that and trying to get the worst victim the most shook. You know what? I think you're totally right. Yeah. But inevitably, so I was the second to be handled. They just let him sting me. But anyway, we didn't die. Uh, we almost died. I mean, two, that's a lot of stings. We were like three and four. Yeah. We were like barely walking and we wandered in there. Mm-hmm. And you said to yourself, because they didn't shake me, I think I'm going to be a prodigal son. Yeah, maybe that was it. I just never was loved as much as my brother. And now I'm <laughs> don't go to church. I didn't go to church today because my parents shook my brother before me. <laughs> That's that story. I wish it really had some more to it. But I mean, how does that make like what made you think of that story? Because you thought of that story when we were out. Uh, you, me and John Sheets, who's been on the podcast. Yeah. We're just out getting to know each other so that John will be comfortable. And okay. for some reason, that story just sort of came to you. And you got this, like, you you stopped focusing your eyes and you're just like, something just came to me and I want to tell you guys about this. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe I was just trying to, like, impress Sheets with how... By how you were attacked by bees. Yeah, how much, like, bee venom I could handle. I don't know. I don't... Trying to flex. Yeah, I mean, I almost died, you know? Yeah, how do you feel about bees? Uh, you know what? I'm not scared of bees. How do you feel about woods? Um, nothing. I was, you know what, man? I was too young to be affected by it. That's really it. I don't think that's a, I don't, 
<laughs> I don't think it's a thing. Give me a different story. Too young to be affected that one, by it? Yeah, that one was just like a funny, interesting thing that happened to me. I have a quote here from August 27th of 2016. I remember going shopping on a shopping trip with my dad to get food for the apocalypse. Oh, yes. So... Yep. Yep, that food is. What do you want to know about this? What 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 peaks your curiosity? <laughs> that's such an interesting story. Like that's just an interesting. I think I've been preparing for this episode and arguably over preparing for this episode for a while now, and I think when I heard you say that, I had like I was able to flush out a lot a lot about you and your family dynamics because of that. Yeah, it made me feel immediately like. Like, I knew you better, like, I knew your father better, like, I knew your family right. better, because I've seen uh, people buy food for the apocalypse and buy supplies for emergencies uh, in varying degrees over my life, and it's been so interesting to me to see who gets what and why, and the idea yeah. of you as a kid in a supermarket with your dad saying, "Oh, I was, this is what is going to save us." This was no, this was I was like 18. This was pre-Obama campaign 2008. This was what that was. I was 18. I was older. We still have a lot of that food in our like pantry. And it's it's just it was I'll tell you how that affected me. It was my my dad would make my brother and I watch Glenn Beck. I forget how much, but there was like a quota we had to watch and we really phoned it in. We never really watched it, but it was to my dad. It was so important that this is the truth and you guys need to be aware of what's happening. This is very important. You have to watch Glenn Beck. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, we blew it off because we were kids and we just wanted to fuck around and like enjoy our childhood. But it did set an idea to me that the world is going to end because we will most likely have a Republican president. It was really interesting. It was sorry, excuse me, Democrat. Yeah, it was Democrats are the bad guys and they are going to economically fuck everything up for us. And I believed it too. Cause I was like, these are the bad guys. Uh, and that really affected me. So when Obama won in the back of my head, it was like, okay, well, this is the beginning of the end. Sure. I truly felt that. Sure. Um, but I ended, what really changed that is I went to IPFW in Fort Wayne, which was honestly, it was one of the best things I ever did. It sounds stupid, like going to college, like changing your perspective, but it really did. I learned other people's ideas, a lot of crazy batshit feminist ideas and like super liberal crazy stuff. I took a class on like hegemony and it's, it's the most, it, it was enlightening to hear another person's batshit opinion on the completely opposite side. Yeah. Counterbalance. Yeah, most of my communications classes were about debating ideas and like poking holes in other people's ideas and sure. learning how to like think critically. Uh, and maybe that was brainwashing in another direction. I don't know. I mean, it definitely was. Yeah, definitely. But I, I loved it. Like I loved taking, I took um, uh, women, it was like, it was women's studies class, but it was like women in media. And the idea, like the ideology that this lady was like giving us also, it was, it was so incredibly wrong. You know, when you hear someone's opinion, you're like, oh, interesting. That's very enlightening. Mm. Uh, I, that's going to go into my lexicon of, of ideas. Mm -hmm. This was like, no, 
you're out of your gourd there is no way it was like alias what somehow the show alias was like perpetuating the patriarchy and i'm like what are you talking it just was it was nonsense but i think it was good for me to hear that there are other crazy people that yeah. aren't my father you know <laughs> i could make a case for both those things yeah it's nice to so i think i love probably- my dad i'm sorry my dad he's just you know and he's mellowed out a bit but he's uh there was a time where i think and he's gonna listen to this but i think there was a time where i think he was a bit um neurotic about what a new leader in the in the in the office was going to do for the world and he was it was came out of genuine concern for the welfare of his family so it was pure but i think he's a bit neurotic and he's learned to chill out a bit i uh i i also love your dad because i love you and i know that you wouldn't be you without your dad yeah, I love so, my dad. He's awesome. I'm pretty jazzed that he exists. Most dads won't listen to their son's podcast. And bore you onto this world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for that. But Thanks, Thanks dad. for the insemination, dad. Thanks, uh, thanks ODB. <laughs> All right. Old Daddy Bertoff. Right? Yep. That's what that stands for? Mm-hmm. Old Dirty Bertoff. Old Dirty Bertoff. Yeah. Sorry. My mistake. But yeah. it's. Uh, I'm glad that you fall probably precisely between Glenn Beck and some hyper-feminist professor you had in college. Yeah, honestly, I find Glenn Beck more tolerable, though. So whatever that says about me, but I really do. (laughs) I think it's because it's what you you grew up submerged in. It was your amniotic fluid. Could be, yeah. So I lean that way. It's sort of, it feels innocuous because you know it better. Could be. Even if you don't identify with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Probably not wrong. Mm. Okay. What's a nice thing someone said? No, nice I don't want it. That actually makes me really uncomfortable. What? People saying nice things yeah, about what's, you? What's, all right. So I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to read three nice things. Oh, you want a grievance first? I do. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wyckoff, of course, found a way to wedge himself into your grievance, which is you okay. haven't had Zach Wyckoff on a second time. Okay. Um, I asked him. Yeah. So fuck you, Zach. Yeah, Zach, quit flaking on people. Next question. Uh, Next grievance? Yeah. Okay, so this is... uh, Who would you think would be the one reliable person to give you a grievance if you had to pick Mm. of everyone you've had on? Who's going to really... Someone who likes critiquing... It'd be you. Really? Yeah, because you have. Damn. You know what you said to me one time? What? Uh, you were like, you're so worried about having a bad episode, but let me tell you, you've had bad episodes. Yeah. And I, that was like, that was because at that point in time, I think you were really one of the only constant listeners. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like, I was, that concerned me because I was like, okay, the only person that's one of the only people that's really bought in. Yeah. Is kind of like, eh, it's hit or miss. Was that a relief at all? No. No. There's this... Did you ever watch Scrubs? Oh, yeah. I love Scrubs. I love Scrubs. Mm-hmm. There's an episode of Scrubs where they're talking about the inevitability of killing a patient. And yeah, throughout, the, throughout the episode, JD, Zach Braff, gets really <laughs> upset about the idea that any moment now he could kill a patient. Yeah. 
And throughout the episode, he's going around and talking to all the other doctors and saying like, oh, who's the first patient you killed? And everyone tells their story about the first person that they killed. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the episode, he's too petrified to really even treat anyone. But Dr. Cox comes up to him and says, you already have killed a patient. And he tells him the name of the patient that he's killed. And immediately, Zach Braff's character is able to function well because he's like oh i made my first mistake if i make more mistakes like the first one is the easiest one to have made so yeah i guess for yeah i know what you're saying but i guess for me i think i already knew i killed a patient (laughs) and it was you saying yeah that guy's dead yeah he's dead he is dead and I think you should feel all right about it because that's what you were saying is if you try 99% of the times you'll fail, right? Yeah, but still sucks. It still sucks. You still take it hard like Dr. Cox does. Yep. I remember that. He's going for the perfect game. He's pitching the perfect game. Thanks, Dr. Cox. Yeah. It was a really great show. It's an awesome show. All right. Um, so... The criticism that I have from uh, the person I was referring to is Brent Bowser. Okay. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that he can be too supportive at times. Okay. Too chill and agreeable with guests who sometimes say rough stuff. So I think what he's trying to say here is um, that you're a really likable and easygoing guy. And part of the way that you accomplish that is by being agreeable. And... I think that your flexibility, uh, while it's a fantastic strength, can sometimes look to people like, um, not a lack of integrity, but it's you end up agreeing with people who uh, say things that should be addressed with more gravity, you know, and should be saying, hold on, what did you say there and what do you mean by it? And you just sort of gloss over it and say, all right, I can buy that and I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there, yeah, there have been times where people have said things where I've had to address the fact that what they said I didn't agree with, and there's no possible way I could come to common ground with them to agree with the sentiment that they just expressed. Mm-hmm. That happens a lot uh, where I have done that, but for the most part, I think a lot of it is I don't want to... And yeah, and I should, I should, but I, a lot of times, like, I'm not super comfortable with these people and I want to hopefully get them to a point where they realize what they've said um, might have some holes in it, mm-hmm. you know, rather than directly come out of the gate and say, mm-hmm. I don't want to shame anyone. Yeah. And cause I don't, that's, there's plenty of people shaming people for shit they've said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when someone, I, I mean, I can think of one particular instance, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring it up, but it was, yeah, it was someone kind of justifying their actions. Mm-hmm. And I had to say, like, you're wrong here. Mm-hmm. You're justifying, you're blaming someone else for a, clearly your own mistake. And mm-hmm. you need to recognize that before we move on. But you're right. I mean, there are times where I'm not, I don't want to shame anyone. Yeah. I only want people to understand that maybe they're seeing something in the wrong light, but I don't want to come across as like a 
Cause I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just so stupid to like shame yeah. people. I don't I feel think, better. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like probably, but yeah, he's right. I don't mean to just like justify it, but maybe that's. I remember that episode where you did talk to that person, yeah. and they took it well, and they heard you because yes. they trust you. And I think I talked to you about it at the time and said that I would like to see more of that on the podcast, right. like you listening to people getting to know people and then giving them even just like a little wedge of perspective on there is some difference here. And I've, honestly, other people that I've talked to about the podcast enjoy moments that are like that where you're yeah, not as you're, I mean, you're not shaming people. You're just asking them to see something from your perspective, which is what it, this right. podcast is about is you being curious about people, listening to people, and then you hope that they are also curious about how you feel. You right, know? about what they are telling me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to talk to Brad, because I'd really like to know, you know, specifically. Yeah. One no, instance, what he's talking I about. Definitely, but yeah, it's a, it's a hard so line, but I think more than anything, I lean on the side of not, like, making people feel worse when they leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Unless they really, I think they should feel bad about something they said <laughs> or did, you know? I have... Uh, I have two more grievances and there's one left that I can give you if you want it. You want the grievance? You want to, yeah. you want to do some other grievance. stuff? This is fun. All right. Kamel uh, says grievance. Okay. Get more people besides 20 something white dudes. Have you enter? Have you ever interviewed an old person for instance? And I would uh, propose that, uh, I don't know, John Sheets is 51. Yeah, that's maybe the oldest person that you've interviewed. Michael Holder's forty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fifty-one is higher than forty-eight. I'm saying there's other old fucks. <laughs> but uh, I think you're aware, and I'm aware, and we've both talked about this, and both actually tried to work towards getting more diversity on the podcast. But uh, is it something that you want to address, and is it how are you gonna? if at all, try to address that going forward? Um, well, okay, two things. I'd say um, I work with the circles I have and, mm-hmm. like, connections I can make. Um, but, yeah, old people can get in there. I mean, yeah. they do. I'm just not around as many of them. Um, but I will say also it's harder, it's, you know, it's harder connect to connect to a person that's significantly older than me. So sometimes I do steer away from it and that's yeah sure that's you on connect me so sincerely though with michael holder and with uh, yeah John but Sheets. let's say like a real person that's older <laughs> you know i, I mean those guys I, I i don't i have faith in your skills to find common ground with people yeah but i'm just saying it's a little more difficult and yeah. i am putting that on myself to say i'm a little more inclined to be like maybe right. not them you well, know. I think what Camille is saying is challenge yourself in that regard. Right. And another thing that it would be challenging too, not only just doing the interview itself, but procuring the guest becomes harder when you're like, are there any old people? And it is funny because there someone I, I, I did do this one time where I kind of like put out an open uh, call to people to tell me to like hook me up with people that might be interested in a particular demographic and i did realize something about myself there is a particular demographic where i don't care about this little tiny demographic and i don't want to have a conversation with them Mm. 
because there were a lot of people in this tiny little demographic that I, where that kind of came up and in my head i was like i'm not interested in that those people so and it was cryptic. kind of fucked up but it was just in my head i'm just like i'm not going to care about what this demographic has to say okay uh you heard it here joey bertoff is a bigot i you know what I am because I had that thought and I'm like, why don't I want to reach out to these particular people? And then I'm like, and I think this group of people is also marginalized a lot too. I will say at the very least you're self-aware, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, what's your self-aware? Do you have a, do you have a not racist? It's actually not, a, it's not, a, it's not a race. It's a, no, what Please it is, I'm, you know what I'm going to tell you? How about this? I'm going to tell you, you what it is. For a minute, I'm going to go pee. All right. Here's what it is. The demographic I'm talking about where I think they get marginalized quite a bit is white women between the ages of 40 and 60. Moms. White moms between the ages of 40 and 60. Um, and it sucks. I've never had one on the podcast. I've never had the opportunity. Um, but we should, we should get them on. But for some reason in my head, I instinctively was like, I don't care. Which is, you know, Alex in the bathroom now, but I guess I'm, I'm aware of that. Did you hear which demographic? Uh, uh, white moms. <laughs> was it white moms? White moms, man. I think I could hook you up with some white moms. Yeah. All right. Don't don't don't. I'll I'll, I'll Sorry, get it. I'll there, listen. To it. I'll listen to it when I listen to it. And if I have someone interesting who I think could be on the podcast in that demographic, I will make an effort to get them on here. Mm-hmm. But who who knows and who cares? Um. Kamel, give me a white mom. <laughs> yeah, Kamel, you put in the legwork, yeah, please. Come on, for once. Um, you have favorite episodes? Do you have a favorite episode? Do you have Ooh. a few favorite episodes? Um, one that always sticks out is um, Joe Shelby. I yeah. think there was a lot of stuff that I I think I might have been going through at the time. Um, that when I talk to Joe Shelby about mainly about changing your own circumstances and having control of your life. Um, I don't know it at the time in my life. It just really helped me just understanding that you can get in a rut in your life and then you can, you have the ability to escape it because mm. you forget that. Yeah. But yeah, Joe's was really great. I mean, there've been so many really great ones where I've kind of learned things um, about, about myself, you know, in that way. But that one always sticks out to me. Um, that was super helpful. Sorry, not yours. No, I didn't expect it to be. Yeah. Yeah, yours were <sighs> insufferable. Yeah, I know. I didn't even li- go back and listen to them. I watched you get bored during those interviews. Yeah, man, I was on my phone. I saw. I actually got out an old Game Boy. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you playing Zelda? I don't even remember. It's, it's not even worth remembering it's not. with the Game Boy cartridge set on it. Yeah. Uh, God, I have so many episodes that I liked a lot. To me, Jeremy Johnston's episode was Oh, yeah, that was great. There are, all of them are so good. There are a lot of episodes that I like because I know 
the people and it's amazing to learn things that you didn't know or understand about people that you thought you had a good idea of. Right. And having those perspectives perspectives shaken up mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it was, I was, it was exciting for me to hear Camille's episode because uh, I was friends with Camille and I think that was the first person that I was friends with that I introduced you to that ended up on the podcast. Yeah. And that was, I was pretty psyched about that because listening to that episode um, you guys became friends so quickly, yeah. You know? And it was such it was. I think it was like a testament to both of you and your abilities to just like find common ground with people. And it was really endearing for me to like for for both of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was fun. That was one of the first ones I did with a complete stranger. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what other episode. Oh my god, dude, Stuart Huff. The bonus episode with Stuart Huff. Okay, was you, you? Do you now feel that way? No, I do. I mean, it's it's not just because he's arguably the most famous person that you've had on. It's he, God, dude, he's such a an open minded person, and it yeah. was nice to hear you talk to someone who was more like even more open minded than you were. You know what I mean? Yeah. And really, I think he like pushed you and challenged you to like think a little bit more about stuff totally yeah uh, specifically like just like religion and society and what it what normal is can is yeah and what i want to say about stewart real quick is stewart wanted to do he heard i did a podcast and he wanted to do it he was already doing a podcast with another person in town um and that's just so rare for him to It was just, he didn't have to. I didn't even have to ask. He was like, I'd like to do it. And he made time to do it, which he's a busy guy and I really appreciated. And he had fun. Uh, That definitely left an effect on me that someone would not even kind of big time me in a way. Be like, yeah, I'll try to work it into my schedule. But like, no, I like you. This seems like it'd be fun. So... Let's do this. Yeah. And he could have big time me. Yeah. But he. He's not that guy. No. He's a down to earth guy. I talked to him before a show that he was doing and it was a living room show at Andrew Rudick's house. And. Uh, been on the podcast. Been on the That's podcast. Also yeah. Andrew Rudick. Mm-hmm. Andrew Pinktech Rudick has been on the podcast. Uh, he was having a show at his house and Stuart was like looking for something to drink. And essentially. Andrew had put so much work into finding a variety of beverages for the people who would be attending the show, but mm-hmm. neglected to focus on anything non-alcoholic. And uh, Stuart Huff is an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and he is sober for a long time. And I saw this interaction where he had like turned down basically like water versus or pomegranate juice or whatever, and I was like, "Oh, that's so interesting." And I was talking to him outside and I said, I, I know this is like a like a, a boundary pushing thing to ask, but what was your bottom? Mm-hmm. Like what was rock bottom for you that made you realize that you were an alcoholic and stop? And I sort of like nah, back realized like this is a super personal question to ask right. a person After it already away. Come out. Yeah. And he took it like nodded at me smiled and it was like i'll tell you what my bottom was and he like explained to me 
the situation and it was like this guy knows things and he wants other people to understand and know what he understands and knows and that was really beautiful to me yeah he's pure at heart if anything i think that's rare he's a perfect crystalline boy Mm -hmm. i have to pee too yeah all right I don't know. You got any other episodes you want to like remark on? Yeah, I, I can think straight now because I had to pee so bad. Oh hell yeah! Um, any, like favorite episodes, hardest episodes, landmark episodes. Um, man, I don't really. It's funny. I don't like kind of calling out episodes because they're they're all really great and they've all been. Um, I don't know. They've all affected me in different ways, but. Mm. I don't know. I think more, I think there have been a few more like Michael Holder and I talking um, and this one's not out yet, but Brett Bowser and I talking um, both of their second episodes. I've gotten to talk a little more. So I like that because I love me. Yeah. Those bonus episodes where you really just sort of rap with people a little bit more. Yeah. And it's been fun. Those are really great for me to just kind of like talk out things. It's just, I, I find it therapeutic. I hope other people enjoy them. But those have been good to kind of bounce things off of other people. And also being told when I'm, you know, overreacting or I'm in the wrong. Um, it's similar to this. It's similar because I'm like kind of the guest and they can kind of ask me questions too. So those have affected me a lot. But yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Holder, yeah, I talked to uh, Holder last night and uh, asked him if he had anything to ask you, hmm. and uh, I didn't end up getting a question from him, but what uh, we did talk about was uh, your latest episode with him. Uh, you got kind of heated when he was talking about getting his car worked on, and he mm-hmm. said that you were hesitant to release that because you felt like you lost control of your emotions a little bit during the podcast. Yeah, I guess I just don't, I don't know. I didn't want to be perceived as um, petty, I guess, and, you know, an angry person, but I left it in somewhat out of laziness. But yeah, it was it was a lot of that. It was just kind of like I do, I get worked up about things when I don't, if that's really what it is, when I don't feel considered, when I feel like I've been taken advantage of, I get really worked up. Yeah. And that was one of those where I did, it's one of those situations where it's like, um, when I feel like I'm being dehumanized and not being treated like a person, I just feel like I'm someone, someone can take advantage of. I get so worked up. It pisses me off so much when people don't consider me. And that speaks to your empathy too, because it wasn't you that was being wronged. It was Holder that was being wronged and you were the one getting worked up about it. Exactly. It's just me seeing someone else taking advantage of another person. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't let that slide. And on the same token, I am very considerate of other people's feelings. Mm. And I expect that to be reciprocated. When was the last time you cried? Um, what did I cry at? <laughs> this is tough. I don't know. I might have seen a movie and cried lately. When was the last time you cried about your own life? About my own life? Mm. Oh, man. I This would have been... That's not really how I deal with things. I wish I cried more. We've talked about this, but yeah. I my grandpa died three years ago. 
but he was old. He was 94. He was old. My dad told me, oh, grandpa died. And, you know, I was sad for my dad. That's his dad. So I went to the funeral and I'm looking at my grandfather in his casket. And I hadn't really felt anything emotionally up until that point. But then I was like, okay. And that's where I cried. And I was like, yeah, there, there he is. And I knew him really well. He had always visit. I had a pretty... It was less of like a really tight relationship, but more of just like he was a staple in my life and we worked around him and he, I mean, he was a great guy. He helped us. We helped him and it was closure and it was, I'll never go to Akron, Ohio again. I'll never walk in this house again. I'll never see my grandpa again. Uh, And then I just kind of dealt with it right there. That understanding of like, Life's short. I'm 24 at this point, and the rest of my life is going to be done without Grandpa. So I think it was just really coming to terms with loss as an adult, and I cried. I think that that was the last time I cried about my own life. Yeah. But that's not how I deal with stuff, though. How do you deal with stuff? Uh, Rage. (laughs) Rage and anxiety. Yeah. I'm not a sad guy. Yeah. Never been a downer. Rage is, rage is interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't see that. You you see that in me. But I see it, I see it in you because, I don't know, we most spend people a lot don't. of time together. But yeah. I don't think that you should be afraid of exhibiting that a little bit, if only for your own sanity and also for other people to understand you better because you as an angry person is part of you as a complete person right but a lot of times they don't want to direct my anger at someone you know and then have to deal with the fact that i got emotional and then i overreacted and now i have to apologize to someone because i was a jackass with my emotions and now i have to say like oh i'm sorry sure you know so i kind of i wouldn't i wouldn't hate hearing episodes with that if there are people that you feel relatively more comfortable with yeah exactly you know? so that's something with you with me sure. for instance yeah dude. you know i'm not i wouldn't act like i do with a person i've never met sure all right let's bang out the rest of these questions that yeah we gotta send in we're going long oh we're gonna go very long what, right. time, what are we looking at right now don't worry about it we're at like 74 minutes so this is going to be at least an hour and a half. Okay. All right. Uh, Andrew Rudick wants to know what's up with your pocket sash. Who hurt you in your past that you had to decide to wear that thing? <sighs> I haven't worn it for a very long time. It's hanging up right there. Uh, I miss the pocket sash. It's a bandolier bag that Joey wears. Yeah. It's like a strap. It's just the strap of a messenger bag, but the strap is the bag. Yeah. And I stopped wearing it for who hurt me that made yeah. me wear it. Yeah. <sighs> Does he not like it? It's fashionable. Go, go get Ben Rudick. Move on. Uh, he likes it. Question from Zach Wyckoff. Okay. How do you feel about the outcome of the Nobody Loves You show? Uh, do you plan on doing more? And if you were to make more, what would you keep or change? Interesting. Um, I should explain the Nobody Loves You show. Yeah. Please. Uh, it was a show uh, that a couple of us did. Alec was included. Uh, that we did in here in Cincinnati at the Woodward Theater, uh, February seventeenth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'll tell you, this was my first show running it. Um, and, you know, I mean, I had your help and I had a lot of people's help. But I think one thing I'll definitely say is go start small. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Be prepared. Um, limit your cast and market. Uh, hoe yourself out. Really try to get people out, get out of your comfort zone in order to get people out to your show. And then be prepared. And there's going to be a lot more than you think that goes into preparation for a show. So those were the main things I learned were, this is hard. This is very hard. Take it seriously. Be prepared and limit the amount of people you're counting on. Yeah. That's very helpful. Um, But at the same time, I think that you need to find people that you can trust because I think there was a point where you bit off a little bit more than you could chew and you kind of div it out a little bit and you're like, this is, I'm going to take the reins. And then the reins were a lot. Yeah. 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 But that's what I would, I mean, that's what I would say. I'd say if you're going to do a show, get, do a rehearsal, (laughs) understand that you're going to need to do a rehearsal. If you're doing a sketch show, understand that you're going to need to do a rehearsal and then keep in mind the amount of people, um, actors or whatever you're going to involve and how difficult that rehearsal could be. Mm. But um, ultimately, it comes down to do. Be a doer. Don't be a dreamer. Do it. And maybe you'll fall on your ass. How do you feel about how that show came out in the end? It was good. It was a good experience. Yeah, I, liked it. I liked it. I had fun. I think a lot of people had fun. Um, and really, I'm grateful for everyone that helped do it. And I think the coolest part about it, everyone that came out, everyone that was involved in it, um, it was a lot of people doing stuff for me. Mm. I felt very considered. And I think the coolest part of it was it coming together with everyone helping me. Yeah. That was an awesome experience. I had a blast. Yep. Logan Watsonhauser mm-hmm. wants to know uh, in his question slash grievance, why don't you mind your own business? Uh, my business is boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and other people's business is? Yes. Fascinating to me. All right. That is why. There you go, Logan. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Logan also wants to know, uh, I do also wonder... How the podcast has influenced his everyday inter- interactions, if at all. Or if he was just like that before that's what led to the podcast. Uh, I only mm-hmm. asked because five minutes into meeting him for the first time, I thought to myself, wait, is he podcasting me right now? So Logan is... Uh, God, he's so fucking funny. But he, mm-hmm. uh, he is a major player in the future science Division, he is he uh, is a he's a big part of the only like true sketch troupe in Cincinnati, and that's all that he does. He d- doesn't fuck around with anything else, and he's good at what he does. And he listened mm-hmm. to the podcast uh, before he met you. He listened to it a lot before he met you, so that sort of colored his mm-hmm. meeting of you. But uh, how does it affect the way you interact with other people? that you have a podcast um i think it i think it was i was 
that's just kind of how I interact with people. I think before I'd started it, um, I think that's it. I th- I don't know. I think that would be. I'm I'm not. It hasn't affected me really. I just. I don't. I'm not good at small talk. You know, so. I guess if I ask a question, I'd rather know how someone feels about what they're talking about rather than, you know, stuff they've heard or things. You know, so I think it's just I've always been this way. That's what I would say to that question. Curious. Yes, thank you. Okay. All right. You ready to go down a rabbit hole with me? Yeah, sure. You trust me? Yeah, what do you want? Look yeah. at me. What yeah. do you mean? You trust me? I trust you, yeah. All right, let's do this. Mental illness comes up on the podcast a lot. Okay. Uh, it's fascinating. Okay. I get excited when I agree. an episode comes out about mental illness. And while you're not always fully informed, your continued interest in talking to these people uh, who are grappling with mental illness and your curiosity on the subject is a reoccurring theme. Mm. Um, what's your fascination with mental illness? Um, it's mainly the fact that I don't understand it. And I think everyone it's, it's impossible to understand what someone's experiencing in their head. Mm. But what we try to do is we try to classify things as mental illness or just a part of being life. Uh, and it's such a gray area. And I think that's what I've, I I want to hear the most detailed explanation of what someone felt at a particular point in time to understand, is this mental illness? Is something clinically wrong? Or is this just life because life is pain? That's what I find so interesting because it's, it's sometimes all, it's hard to know. And, and one thing I have learned is cycles. And I, I spoke about Joe Shelby's episode, but cycles are a thing you can get into where you feel as though there's no escape and it is complete delusion i see people run into it all the time is a cycle of delusion where you think i'm stuck and life is hopeless that in breaking out of that that is one similar pattern that i've seen and it's one thing where i i believe that is a mental illness when you've come in a cycle of depression mm. and your brain can't escape this anxiety or this worry or this fear. And I find that very interesting mm. because I've met a lot of people that have found a way to break out of it. Mm. But yeah, in terms of mental illness, I think that's fascinating. And I like to re- hear people's like stories because you hear that stuff and you're like, you can find similar patterns. And a lot of the people on the show is this cycle, Betty's episode, Betty Wheatmarshan's episode. Yeah. It's you get in this rut and you believe there's no escape. Mm-hmm. I see no light at the end of the tunnel, but it takes something to get you out and see life in a new perspective. Yeah. But I am, I know nothing about mental health. Well, I mean, the next part of that question for me is what is your personal experience with mental illness because you have mentioned on the podcast uh that you have been to therapy before and you have taken zoloft before i don't know if you're on it now no i'm not zoloft um but yeah it's it's hard for honestly i don't think i i mean i've been medicated before but why for anxiety what was there a breaking point that you or your parents found where you decided that 
medication was worth exploring? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was my own decision. Tell me about that. Um, I've before I went to an actual doctor, a doctor, I went to therapy and I think I could have benefited from going to a th- and I've talked about this. I think I could have benefited from going to the right therapist. I went to the wrong therapist, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did at one point turn to medication. I still have it and I still take it um, periodically, but I get, um, yeah, I wake up with panic attacks. That's when I get them and they're helpful. What does that feel like to wake up with a panic attack? It's inexplicable. I mean, it's totally, it's, it's, it's inexplicable, but it's totally easy to explain. It's a fear. It's a fear that you wake up with that something's gone wrong and you've done everything wrong and everything in your this point in your life has led to this and it's all completely wrong and there's no way to change it. And it doesn't make sense, but in your head at the time, I don't want to get into what my fear is, but you because w- it's completely, I know yeah. you wouldn't and I'm not ready to go there. Sure. But you wake up with that and you can't go back to sleep because it's your it's um it's chemical. Your adrenaline's running. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I take my medication and it helps with that. Uh you know, but I I I think it's very I don't think it's too much biologically, it's too much different from anyone else though. I think there are parts and there are points in your life. If you try to, I try to live out of my comfort zone. I think if you're actively trying to live out of your comfort zone, you're going to you're going to have um, struggles. Mm. It's going to be hard if you're trying. If you're making an effort to do something all the time and live not in your own little bubble of comfort. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd say that. I think also some people don't have comfort zones. Some people aren't allowed the we'll call it privilege of a comfort zone okay um so i'm gonna read yeah i asked um a handful of people who have some degree of mental illness to send me descriptions of in their anecdotal experience what is it like to have and to deal with this illness so starting off with anxiety we have uh, muhammad patel Mm -hmm. starting off uh, Motown 22, if you guys are interested in following Muhammad, says anxiety is like riding up the incline of a roller coaster, but there is no drop. Okay. Uh, and it's poetic. When, it is. It is. I'm sure you stole that. You think so? I'm sure. Grill him about it. It's actually pretty good. I asked him if he takes medication. He says, I don't take mess. Okay. Uh, my friend Emily has anxiety as well and she says for me it's like i'm too afraid to live but too scared to die okay afraid that if i really live i'm going to just die so instead i go home turn off the lights hibernate and pretend the world outside isn't happening okay all right i all right uh she is you know what that is though you know what that sounds like to me and this is all anxiety is sure is fear yeah it's uncontrollable fear yeah 
She's on Lexapro and Klonopin for her okay. anxiety. I have anxiety. Here's what I wrote mm-hmm. about what it's like to have anxiety. Anxiety is feeling worried for some small reason, quickly forgetting what that reason was, becoming obsessed and catastrophically worried about what it possibly could have been, and failing at everything else going on in my life that day over one small forgotten worry. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty unique to you. Mm-hmm. I think all of these experiences are going to be unique to all of these people. Mm-hmm. But they're just people living with situations that fall under these headings. And this is, I mean, it's called the anecdotal experience, which is like you want to know people's stories. You don't want data. You don't want numbers. Right. So this is a handful of that that I have scrobbled up. Yeah, that's great. I don't take meds. Uh, my mom has asked me if I would be interested in taking them at any point in the future because she's mm-hmm. a loving, concerned mother. And yeah, I would consider it uh, if I find a place in my life where I have health insurance and uh, the time to explore that. Yeah. But I don't right now. Uh, Blake Hammond. Mm. So this is panic attacks. Okay. Blake Hammond tweeted, big rad machine on mm-hmm. Twitter. When people ask me what my panic disorder is like, I just tell them it's like watching the news all the time. Okay. I think you liked that tweet. Did I? Actually, yeah. I like Blake. I love Blake. Mm-hmm. Blake's a really good guy. Blake is on Rimeron. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these. Rimeron, Vanlafexine, and Klonopin as well. Uh, next, I have bipolar disorder. And this is from my friend, Carrie, who lives in New York. It's feeling too much all the time. It's falling in love with strangers and fixating on D-list celebrities, being excited about everything and not sleeping, but feeling like I could do anything. But it's also crying when the grocery store doesn't have the vanilla yogurt that you like, begging my cat to sleep next to me, wanting to hide under the covers forever and bribing myself to get out of bed. It's wanting to shut my feelings off and being so scared I'll never feel again all at once. Yeah, that's that's mania. And that's one where I think biologically that's abnormal. Mm. I think that's a I mean, from what I've heard from people, that's similar to obsessive compulsive disorder where. I don't think that's normal human behavior. Mm. That to anyone, those things you described, it's are bizarre. It's amplified in human behavior is what I would say. I don't know, man. It's because I understand all these feelings, but I don't understand them to the degree that she feels them. That's lost on me. That's yeah. one where I'm like, that's crazy. Like when someone describes obsessive compulsive disorder yeah. to me, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Uh huh. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, when you, you have to do that. this yeah, all the yeah. time and it's just like, nah, man, nobody knows that. Right. You're weird. <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? That's what, that's right, one of those things right. where like people, you know, anxiety and sadness normal human emotions yeah like but you crying wall, when you there are no wall with so you the way that you conduct interviews is i think beautiful in a lot of ways because it's important to you to relate to the person on a personal level not just to get the information out of them like someone on nbc yeah but to actually get to know these people and feel what they're feeling and you need to make sure to relate to them but i think that sometimes when you don't find that common ground 
you just say, I can't relate and therefore I can't, I can't interview you about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, experiences that are difficult to relate to, this is mostly, I think this is probably going to be the most intense one. Yeah. Uh, my friend Caitlin, who, uh, has schizophrenia. Mm Mm-hmm. You wake up and the room is filled with gas. Okay. You gas for your last breath. Crazy. And then the gas says, hold on. <laughs> then the gas says, I will kill you. You run out of the room and the light is on. No gas, but the light says, I will not accept your attempt at thinking you are alive. You walk down the stairs, the creaking and screaming at you stop hurting it. You say in your head, I'm not hurting, but you hear the screams. You walk outside where children are walking to school. Every time a student passes by, they telepathically tell you that they hate you. And they're telling your doctor you tried to kill them and you will be locked up again. There's a God voice that speaks only when you're alone and tells you how you will die soon. You can't think because there are too many voices and all the thoughts others can hear and tell you telepathically that you're disgusting. You wonder, but you can't. You see, but all the things you look at talk to you. Where to go? Nowhere. Yeah, that's that's like that is that's that's next level. Caitlin is on four hundred milligrams of ability monthly, two milligram tablets that she takes of benzotropine, one milligram uh, of Xanax. She takes. Two times a day and as needed, I think. I may have that wrong, but I'm not encouraging people to go out and buy these drugs off the street. Well, that's just crazy, me a point of dude. Because that's like, I mean, I don't, maybe you're not supposed to call people crazy anymore, but I don't care. That's crazy. <laughs> You've lost so, your mind. Yeah. Well, I mean. There are people that have lost their, there's like mental, I understand like mental illness, it's gray. Right. And I think if you don't address it as like a gray area, you're, you're wrong. You're, there's no black and white, but to me, something like that is clearly like different you, from you. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's next level. Like schizophrenia and bipolar, where it's just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's illogical, extremely mm-hmm. illogical to the point where you're believing things that aren't actually happening. And sure. that's something where I really can't even talk to a person about it because I'm like, well, schizophrenia is uh, where essentially your senses are playing tricks on you, you know? Yeah. You're feeling and hearing and experiencing all of these things that aren't taking place in everyone else's reality. Yeah. But to you, you don't have the choice of deciding what reality is because. Yeah it's forced upon you and those people exist in society and they find a way to bridle that unbelievable burden and still exist in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like anything though. It's like cancer, dude. Some people (laughs) get it, you know? Well, it's not like cancer because what you and I would consider yourself, your person, is like 
how you exhibit behavior and the things that you say and the way that you see the world. Yeah. And people with mental illness don't always have a choice as to what their perspective is and it affects everything else. No, right. But all I'm saying is it's an affliction, whether it's mental or to your body, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a disease that people get and it sucks. Sure. It's it's a lot of times incurable. It does. It does. It's difficult. Um, all right. So now depression, which is Holy f- one that you talk about a lot. All right. Yeah. What time are we looking at? Don't worry about it. We're like super long. Yeah, I know. All right. What do you want to talk about? I don't know anything long. about these, these. I know. I know. I know. So. Well, this is just so you don't understand mental illness, right? You yeah. Say what do you, you want to? Have... Okay. Yeah. This is not like. <laughs> what do you want to do here? I just want to finish reading the uh, okay what I have from people. So Blake says, "Do you want to be uh, Do you want to be left alone forever, but also crave attention and admiration from the same people?" You're just you reading away? Blake's tweets now. <laughs> this is Blake's tweet that he sent me. Depression might be for you. Uh, Tanner says, "Mental illness to me has been like planning your own surprise party, and you know no one is going to show up." And then he clarifies, "I think what I mean." Uh, what I meant was that you have all these ideas in your head of what you think is going to happen and then it never does. And he has been on a battery of medications uh, but he's currently on Fetazima, Depline and Meridazeplin. Led Zeppelin. He's on Led Zeppelin. Love that drug. Oh yeah. Uh, And then lastly uh, Tess says that depression is being in a pool with your legs and feet bound. If you struggle enough, you can catch your breath, but every time you stop fighting, you sink deeper and everyone wonders why you don't just climb out like they do. How was that one for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of relatability, I'm, sure. I get, you know, some of those I do, yeah, and that's what it, I mean, I understand it, you know, but it's, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think it's secular. Mm. You can leave, you can fall into it. It's a black hole mm-hmm. is the way I see it, but yeah. some people don't see it that way. Well, so, so this is, this is the last grievance that I have, and it's my personal grievance okay. is, um, the way that you address mental illness is you try to relate to the people that you have on the podcast and uh, you're curious about them and you want to know more and you want to have their stories. And that's like so cool that you have that drive to want to see these people's stories. But I think that in the process of doing that, you sometimes hit a point where you can't relate. And when you hit that point, it's important to say, I can't relate, but I also don't want to invalidate your experience. So instead, I'll just listen. Instead, I'll just hear what you have to say about what it's like to be with this and just sort of accept that I don't know what it's like, but let you say it so that maybe I can process it years from now and be able to understand what it's like 
Well, rather and, than like interrupt people. Exactly. Yeah. Because you have a tendency to, when people are saying, like trying to explain it and they don't necessarily know how to articulate it, you'll be like, all right, how about this? What if I relate to it this way? And you sort of lose the thread of what they were trying to express a little bit. And I mean, you occasionally, this is, this is a thing too, because this is the part of the podcast that was the hardest for me to prepare for because everyone that I spoke to who knows you Mm -hmm. said, Joey doesn't, Joey's not trying to hurt anybody by saying the things that he's saying. He's, like a sweet guy he's curious he wants to understand that don't punish him for wanting to get to know more about that and i love you you're my best friend and i have no intention of being like why are you being shitty to these people with mental illness Mm. but everyone i know who doesn't have an intimate uh personal connection to you and i'd argue that it's really easy as soon as you start talking to joey bertoff to develop an intimate connection with him those people are frustrated with the way that you address this subject because the language that you use even though i know and the people who know and love you know that you're uh, being playful and Mm -hmm. trying to bring levity to a situation that's so incomprehensibly difficult by being playful and telling jokes about it uh it can come off as people to people who don't know you as being dismissive and so i want to read uh a compliment that lee kimball who is arguably a super fan uh, maybe one of the only people who has listened with enough scrutiny, as much scrutiny as I have to your podcast, says, When I first met Joey and discovered the dote, I was embarrassingly jealous of him. I wanted to be doing what he was doing. But after listening to the podcast and getting to know Joey, the jealousy was shifted inward to a single focus and drive to make it in this business. I don't know how much I'm supposed to suck him off here. <laughs> But him and his podcast have both been important to parts of me starting to get my life and career on track. Cheers to 100. Yeah. So we were talking about the first question I asked you is who is Joe Bertoft and why should we care? And your answer was I'm nobody and nobody should care about me. But you've made something that no one else had had the drive to make in this community and it's amazing and it's inspirational to people, Mm -hmm. but you have an audience now. Right. And whether you realize it or not, you affect people's lives. Yeah. And in a lot of ways that's positive, but I think what I'm saying is that you have the opportunity to make people's lives more positive in this specific case where you could listen to people a little bit more. Uh, My girlfriend listened to Tanner's episode Uh and she cried when she listened to the episode. And she said that uh, it helped her to feel like she was not alone. 
And I listen to that episode and it's like very moving to me, but to her, who is a person who has gone through a lot and felt like she had suffered in silence and who has struggled with the idea of, do I seek medication or do I try and do this for myself? And has found out that she can't just pull herself out of that pool. Mm. Tanner's episode was sort of uh, like a beacon of hope for her and an understanding that other people go through the same thing that she goes through Mm -hmm. and that there is hope because Tanner was able to understand himself and do work internally and also seek help outside of himself in terms of uh, trying medication and try learning techniques and trying different therapies that gave him the ability to be the person that he is right now. And that's amazing. Mm. And I would love if you allowed more space and more silence for that to happen. If that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'll be more conscious of that. With great power, Spider-Man 1. Comes great responsibility, Spider-Man 1. I want to say something real quick. Please. Uh, We got to wrap, though. Yeah. Okay. But I want to say, to your point about Lee, one of the things I've really enjoyed about this podcast is going places and seeing my friends like Lee and getting to have conversations about particular episodes of the podcast and how they experienced that's amazing to me that's been tons of fun because people will come oh i listen to this i listen to that here's how i felt about this um love it that's so much fun that's so much fun to me personally because i am a lonely person a lot of the times and listening to podcasts makes me feel like I'm listening to my friends have conversations with each other and I'm just sitting quietly in a corner. Okay. And when you started this podcast, it was like the same thing, except after that conversation was over, I could say, Hey guys, here's what I think about what you just said. Yeah. You get like retroactively get in a real way. And Mm -hmm. that was like so amazing and so beautiful to me to be able to do that. And it's still what's so exciting and so engaging about the fact that you did this. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say? I no, have. that was just something that right. I think about all the time when people, and I really appreciate that when people have right. something to say about it. Well, let me put a bow on this. Okay, yeah, do it. Uh, let me run, burn through the rest of the compliments. Don't do that. <laughs> Rudick says, can't think of a grievance because Joey is one of the nicest people I know. Well, Andrew's pretty great, too. It was I, also very, I was also very impressed at how he started doing stand-up and was able to immediately start a podcast, and I was more impressed by how good the podcast was from the very first episode. That I was on. Just want to note that yeah. he's got a real knack for interviewing people, and I could see it from the beginning. And he continues to get better at it. What Zach Whitecuff says Joey does a great job of making his guests feel at home and making him feel like conversation when he's breaking down stories in life. He's also been a good friend to me in the comedy world, and it's fun knowing that there are legitimately great people in the world of comedy who make others, especially me, feel welcome and accepted. As that is a very rare thing. Also, he does have really big muscles and cool tattoos. Yeah, I know. 
I work out. I know. This is <laughs> Brent, making me so uncomfortable. The How compliments are? Yeah. I think I got three more. Just Joey. Uh, Brent Bowser says, oh, no, I already left that. I yeah, cool, read that cool, one. Cool. Okay. Cam says, Cam O'Connor. Okay. I just like Joey. I remember the first time I saw him at a show. It was at Maudie's, and he sat mm-hmm. down in the front row for the whole show. Yep. His set was eh. Mm-hmm. Great podcast. I enjoyed my visit mostly because Joey is super easy to talk to. Super calm voice. The opposite of me, really. Congratulations. Keep up the good work. And then uh, I wrote my own compliment for you down. Is this, is this the most uncomfortable? Yeah. Me complimenting you on your you podcast. You shat on me for a while, so. I did. Yeah. It evens it out. It does. It balances out. You've quickly become a pillar of the community. The drive and consistency that you exhibit in putting out the podcast are an example to everyone who listens to do instead of talk about doing. Your openness, playfulness, and curiosity put your friends and guests at ease almost immediately, and I am honored to have had the opportunity to listen to the podcast, be involved, and have you as a friend. Oh, thanks, man. You're (laughs) You're welcome. I'm honored to be your friend. You're so welcome. All right. Let's wrap on. Um, I got so much stuff to plug. Yeah, man. So, uh, what's next for Joey Bertoft? What are you doing with your shit? What are you doing with your life? Um, I think podcast for now. I'm. I mean, it's just stuff I'm cooking up right now. There's no dates or anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, what about you as a person? What are you doing? Where are you I going? Know. What do you mean? What do you want to know? What's the, where, where's the arc you going? What's your five-year plan? What's your whatever? What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be... I want to be a senior software engineer in three years. Okay. That's where I want to be. That's fair. I want to make a shit ton of money. What's your message? What's the one thing that you, you want people to take away from listening to your... 100 episodes of the anecdotal experience oh just be listen not like listen to the podcast but like shut the fuck up for a second and listen to people yeah it's you've nothing to gain from talking yeah that's all i'm saying right yeah what do you want to plug um man i just want to plug everyone's everything (sighs) dan remington my best friend Sorry, you're not my best friend, even though you said I'm your best friend. That's fair. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. You're getting there, though. Dan's, like, out of town, (laughs) I think. Uh, Yeah, Dan does does, um, moderndayyuppie.com. Check out that. It's his blog. Uh, Ram Barnaclo, Rumble Lips podcast with Kyle Jeffers. Really great stuff. Jeffers. Um, If you live in Cincinnati, go out to the tons of cool shows. Uh too drunk too loud last tuesday every month go to john shrek shows like every thursday at myrtle's punch house mm. tuesdays now he's going to be doing tuesdays as well tuesdays yeah like first and third i think he's doing a show clay show show clays show cool. clays show clays he's gonna show clays with uh with a couple open mic spots as well i think he said six open mic spots yeah but just i don't know and People... listen to the dote and email mm-hmm. email joey yep with your thoughts and your feelings and your stories, if you want to be on the podcast, if you know buddy, somebody who would be good on the podcast, theanecdotalexperience at gmail.com. Yep. Follow The Anecdotal Experience on Instagram. Yeah. What's your Twitter? 
Oh, don't worry about it. It's crazy about Elvish. If you want to follow me, sometimes <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes it's your Instagram. It's just the anecdotal experience. I enjoy the Instagram a lot. I try. Yeah. I try to be aware of funny things to take pictures of. Yeah. That's good. It takes effort. What's up with your cat? She's good. Yeah. Where's I she? uh I encourage anyone who comes over to Joey's place to pet the cat. Um even if you're allergic, just like a couple of quick pets pets on the head. It's uh She'll appreciate it. It's therapeutic. Mm. All right. That's all I got. You feel good? I feel good. <laughs> okay. Tell me to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Joey. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.